This is the Birth Village Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Birth Village Podcast. My name is Trisha Baird. You obviously recognize my voice. It's not Morgan. Morgan had some family stuff today and we needed to get this recording done. So it's just me and a fabulous guest. Her name is Deborah Abner. She is a midwife that lives in northern Utah right now, but is moving down to the southern Utah area very soon. So we are so excited to have her on the pod and she's going to tell us all about herself where she's from, why she's here, and we are just so excited to talk to her. So let's get right to it. Deborah, hi, how are you? Hi, I'm good. Thank you. Good to see you. It's so good to see you too. We are Zooming, by the way, if everyone um, can hear the difference in our voices, but we're just so happy because she's in Northern Utah right now, but will be coming down very, very soon. So Deborah, tell us about you and why you're up there, where you're working up there, and when you're coming. Okay. So I am in Lehigh temporarily helping at a birth center um, that is CPM run, and there's also a family practice doctor here. So it's been a trip. It's been a lot of great experience. The um, CPM who I am working with is getting her FNP. So she is busy at school and kind of handed me the midwifery side of the business. So, okay. um, yeah, so I've been doing a bunch of births and a lot of clinic time and enjoying the pretty views up here, but mm. um, eager to get to St. George. Unfortunately, I'm going to be here through the freezing winter, <sighs> um, which is why I chose St. George. I like the warm, okay. um, but I should be moving down there when, um, when I'm done here sometime in April. Okay, awesome. So for the listeners that don't know what a CPM is, it's a certified professional midwife. So just Mm -hmm. so everyone knows. And so you're working up there until you can get yourself down here. So that's awesome. So can you tell us where did you come from and why did you choose there? And then how long you've been a midwife? Yes. Okay. So I tell everybody I've been a midwife since I was born. Mm, I love that. (laughs) I literally from my preschool, like my earliest memories, I loved pregnancy and babies and family. And I had never heard of midwives. So um, when I went to college in my family, you either go into medicine or into some kind of psych field. So I got a social work degree and Mm -hmm. thought if I'm ever going to be delivering babies, I guess I have to be an OB. Um, and then I started having my own babies. I actually timed my first one to come right after I graduated from college. So that was perfect. Wow. And when she was little, I started taking pre-med classes. Um, and it was about, she was probably six months old when I found La Leche League, which is such a gem. Um, that is a nursing mom's group. And it was the first introduction I had to some of the alternative holistic ways of living. So I was always, you know, into healthy eating and nature and that kind of thing, but I had never seen nursing toddlers. You know, I was going to, I was going to stop breastfeeding according to the AAP when she turned one years old. Right. Um, so there, there were all these nursing toddlers and that's where I first heard of home birth, which sounded very radical to me. Um, I thought that mom was like a superhero. Yeah. And, um, 
and so when I had my second, I wasn't quite ready. I had an, a nice unmedicated um, birth with him in the hospital. But by my third baby, I was ready and I found a midwife and I had um, my last four at home. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah. And but still being a birth junkie, the other thing I kind of got from the Leche League is attachment parenting, mm -hmm. just having permission to keep your baby with you and on you and in your bed and just, you know, have that real biological and emotional connection with them, which jived with me very well. So it was just nice to have it defined. Mm -hmm. um, and so even having her at the sitter, when I was taking those pre-med classes, she cried the whole time. It was, a, and I just knew I could not juggle everything. Mm -hmm. So, um, so over the next like 20 years, wow. I raised these six kids had a homestead, I homeschooled, um, but I was doing birth work too. I became a certified childbirth educator in the 90s. Um, I was a doula, I was a postpartum doula at first, and then um, went to every birth I could in a variety of um, capacities and started a midwifery self-led study program back in <clears throat> maybe 2008. Um, but self-led is a little bit of a problem with me with that many kids, you know, yeah. and, and all the things. So finally in 2020, I started college at um, Mercy and Action College of Midwifery, mm -hmm. got my bachelor's degree, um, graduated this last May and um, got licensed in California and Utah. So awesome. um, along the way, being a midwife's assistant, I think was finally, finally did it for me. In 2013, I was living in Montana and working with my soul sister, Marcy. And um, that is where the rose-colored glasses concerning birth work came off. I had just had stars in my eyes. I thought midwives were amazing and <clears throat> had a very romantic view of all of it. And getting up in the middle of the night in Montana, <laughs> when it's freezing cold, yeah. and getting to a birth. And then just all of the details. It's not um, abstract anymore. It's very much the equipment you carry and knowing how to use it and knowing how to, and so, um, you know, there were a few years of really grappling with how much responsibility I wanted to bear in a birth setting. Um, so going to the college, I had already made up my mind. I wasn't going to let myself be intimidated by fear or the details and that Mercy in Action is a very a rigorous, um, great place to have trained. And I came out um, with hundreds of hours of clinical, um, close to 300 births. And wow. um, I trained in Virginia with um, my bestie, Cindy, and um, she is a CNM. So I'll go over the types of midwives mm -hmm. so we can talk about that in a minute. Um, so I got to see a much broader scope of practice and um, get my feet under me and couldn't decide between California and Utah. So I spent the last nine months in California and I worked a little bit in Southern California at a birth center. And um, <clears throat> my visits to Utah were quite addictive. It is so clean and safe here. I love it. And, um, and I love for the last year, I've spent a lot of time in Kanab and St. George. And um, it's just, it's such a beautiful, place, such a good spirit here. And um, so when I was working in California, I saw um, Heather Shelley is the CPM I'm working with now. She had a post for a temporary CPM position. And I thought, yes, I can get, I'm already licensed in Utah. Yeah. I can go work with them and I can start getting clients in St. George and get down there as soon as I can. Oh, that's so, awesome. so that's where I am now. Oh, that's so cool. 
Yeah, I um, Deborah reached out. I don't know how we got into contact with each other, but I was like, yes, another midwife. We need another midwife in town. Not that we don't have enough. We definitely have midwives here. But the way Southern Utah is growing and the mm-hmm. way that women are changing the way they want to birth, mm-hmm. I just think oh, I'm just so excited to have you and to have someone else, you know, on my new mom resource list to say, hey, why don't you go talk to Deborah as well? Because she's amazing. Mm-hmm. And and for everyone that knows me, um, I don't promote anyone that I don't instantly have a connection with and think that they are very valuable in our community. So I am just so excited to have you coming down. So when are you going to start taking clients in Southern Utah? So I already have one. Okay. Awesome. (laughs) I am so excited about my client. She's just a great candidate for home birth. She's Mm -hmm. had a home birth. So we are getting to know each other and I'm just going to drive down once a month and do prenatals. I already have a lab account with IHC and working on my lab core one. So I'm all set up. I've got all my equipment, all my everything, my charting system. Um, People can text me anytime. They can contact me through the website. And as long as it is a due date that is, I don't know, maybe May 20th and past that, um, I am open to doing a free consult with them and seeing if they're a good fit. And I really appreciate you saying that um, we need more midwives because um, the the norm needs to be getting low risk, healthy moms out of the obstetric model. It is so problematic. The intervention rates are outrageous. I think we had something like 150 births in Virginia um, where I was training with Cindy before we had our first cesarean. So that those statistics are just shocking. And no, we're not taking high risk moms, but still there a less than 1% cesarean rate says that the way that birth pregnancy and birth are managed makes a tremendous difference in the outcome. Um, so yeah, so more than, um, competing, we need to be lifting each other up and, and making sure we're referring clients to each other Mm -hmm. and, um, getting more women in, you know, in these alternate birth, um, settings because about 85% of women or more are, are low risk. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if they are interested in autonomy and empowerment and having an unmedicated birth, and that's a big, that's a big thing. They have to want this. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You can't just have a home birth just because (laughs) Right. you definitely have to do some prep and you have to know what you're getting into for sure. But just like you said, we as women, Unfortunately, we don't know our options and we just think that this is what we have to do. And I think that's why it's such a passion of mine to share this Mm -hmm. message, not only through this podcast, but with teaching and with community events, you know, like women need to know, families need to know that there are different options and we need to get to know these different options and take the uncomfortable or weird or different statistic of home birth away from it because this is normal it's normal it's safe it's convenient it's amazing you know so and I yes and you know me and also the southern Utah birth village we support all women in every choice that they make um but because of what I've seen 
I, of course, am a huge advocate of home birth, not only because I've done it myself, but because I've seen what happens to people when they choose home birth. And it is, it's life changing. It's life altering. It's everything. So that's why I was like another midwife. Yes. One more. Let's get more. Yay. Yeah, it is. It is a very transformative event. And, um, my dad is a doctor and all three of his daughters had home birth. (laughs) Wow. And the cool thing is that we could back it up. There is good data backing Mm -hmm. it up. So, um, so should we talk about the different types of midwives that can be found in Utah? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so if, if somebody is new to this and they are thinking about their birth options, it's a good idea to know what's out there. So right. we've already discussed the CNM. That is a certified nurse midwife. Mm-hmm. So their foundation is in nursing, and then they go on to midwifery school and get a graduate degree. They become advanced practice nurses, and they are licensed and legal in all 50 states. Um, the majority work in hospitals, about 94% of them work in hospitals. Um, and their scope is a little broader. They can, um, they can still manage a labor with an induction or an epidural or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, CPM, which is what so I am, that is, just, as you said, a, I need oh, yeah, to stop ahead. you because I want everyone to understand with, with a CNM being someone 94% of the time she's delivering in the hospital, but she can't have her own practice, correct? She has to work under an OB. So the, right. And the problem, um, the problem with trying to have your own practice as a CNM is that you lose hospital privileges. They don't generally, it becomes very tricky to navigate those things. So right. Generally they do not have their own practice. Right. So, um, everyone understanding when you hire a quote unquote midwife, understanding these different degrees of midwifery. And that's why we feel like it's so important for everyone to understand. So a CNM typically is going to be in the hospital. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. the next one being a CPM. Okay. So certified professional midwife, Mm -hmm. that is a national credential. Mm -hmm. Um, there are a couple pathways to get it. One is an apprenticeship, um, style. So it's a portfolio process. You do a certain number of clinical events. Um, the book learning is pretty much on your own, but the bottom line is you have to be checked off on a bunch of clinical skills and then take a national exam um, to get your CPM. And then the the other way is to go to an accredited midwifery college. Um, The reason that I did that, even though it was um, obviously the more expensive pathway, um, is because I was thinking at that time, this was probably six years ago when I was making this decision, I thought that I was moving to California and they require a Meek accredited right. midwifery college. Okay. Um, so either way, it, it, you take a national exam, you get issued the CPM credential, and then you need to get licensed in whatever state you're going to practice. And not every state recognizes CPMs, right. um, but Utah does. Mm-hmm. So, um, and they are trained entirely for out of hospital. So birth right. center and home birth. Okay. Um, the next kind is the direct entry midwife. Um, and these are unlicensed. They train through apprenticeship. Also, there are many States that don't allow unlicensed midwives, but Utah does. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
the benefit to being unlicensed is that they don't have the restrictions that a license puts on them. So for example, they can legally deliver breach and twins. Okay. Um, the downside obviously is anybody can train them. Anybody can call themselves a midwife um, and they don't have access to some of the life-saving medications that licensed midwives can carry. Right. So, and it's a little confusing in Utah because for those of us who are CPMs and licensed, um, our, um, what is it? Our credentials, I guess, that follow our name are LDEM, which is licensed direct entry midwife, which right. is a misnomer because the path that I took was anything but direct, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, I, it's a four year degree and a bunch of clinical stuff and that kind mm -hmm. of thing. But anyway, so it can be a little confusing, but right. that's something that, you know, you can easily look up online and you can ask your midwife to explain that. Right. So, so yeah, go ahead. So when you are looking for a midwife and you are doing the research on um, different midwives and so it's okay for a person interviewing you to say, tell me about your licensing and what does that mean and stuff like that. Yeah, that's for right. Sure. Okay. So Absolutely. all these questions should be asked so that you understand, you know, yeah. who you're hiring basically. Okay. Absolutely. Cool. Absolutely. I know that there are direct entry midwives who are unlicensed, who are incredibly competent. Right. They are well-trained. They've been in it forever. Mm -hmm. So it is crucial to ask about experience. It's not just, I mean, I remember back in the days when I had stars in my eyes, I just thought, you know, I trust birth and I'll come and make you an herbal bath for after, you know, and was pro unassisted. And it was just really um, naive, right. you know, birth is usually safe, but um, it is always good to have someone who can look for signs that are, you know, deviations from the norm. Mm -hmm. Can I ask yeah. you a question while you say those things? I just popped in my head. So you had sure. four home births. What type of midwife did you use for your home births? So it's interesting when I was having my babies at home, midwifery uh, certified professional midwives were not legal in Virginia. Oh, wow. So, um, so that first mom at La Leche League, who was like crazy hero, yeah. um, she had an, an underground midwife who mm. was one of those very competent, very well-trained, but she was illegal and actually, um, spent time in jail. Wow. Um, yep. And so I found a nurse midwife. Okay. There was one and I, I drove, and this is something too. This is a really good point to be made. Go where you've got to go, pay what you've got to pay. This is a life altering event for your entire family. It can impact your health now and in the future and your future babies. Right. So I did, I drove, I think an hour and a half every time I went to see my midwife. Mm -hmm. um, she was in Richmond, Virginia, and um, I was all over the state. But mm -hmm. every time that I was pregnant, I was an hour and a half away from her. <clears throat> I had my first home birth um, in my grandmother's house because it was in Richmond. Okay. And, um, <clears throat> and then I had my last home birth at my parents' house because it was in Richmond. And then one time she drove way out to the sticks where I lived. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, you know, I had to be a little creative, but she was always legal because she was a nurse midwife. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. No, yeah. that's awesome to know because I think it, it puts a lot on your credibility to mm -hmm. be a home birther yourself. So obviously I don't, I don't think I've ever met a midwife that didn't do home birth, but just yeah. with that being said, like it's, it's yeah. something for sure. 
your education started there basically. <laughs> so, yeah. One of the, um, one of the midwives who trained me, I had four. Mm-hmm. Um, she is a excellent midwife, extremely con- She's another CNM. Mm-hmm. I actually was trained by one CPM and three CNMs. Wow. So kind of had all that cool. in my background yeah. too. Um, she's had two cesarean sections. She had yeah. um, babies that um, went very post dates and were always breech. And um, so that was hard for her sometimes mm-hmm. because of course it wasn't the plan that she had, but yeah. it didn't keep her from being an excellent midwife. And and I have friends who are midwives who have never had a baby in any form or fashion. Yeah. So, you that's know, awesome. that's not always um, the sign of a good midwife, but right. it is helpful. I didn't yeah. mean that at all. I, I just meant I, it's interesting to know where they came from. Right. Know, because right. It, yeah. it truly, I feel like experience is everything, (laughs) but your own experience says something, you know, but, um, but yeah, I have so many doulas that I've trained that have not had babies. And I'm just like, Hey, that's amazing. I'm so like happy that you don't have to have a transformative. I quoted, I quoted that, um, birth because of a hard birth experience that you already went through. Like you're already on a path to have an amazing birth because you know, all the things. And I think that's really exactly. Important, so. Yes. I'm always shocked when first time parents are yeah. looking for a midwife. I'm like, how did you, how did you know? I know. How are you so smart already? Exactly. It took me two <laughs> to finally oh, yeah. go. I don't, yeah, me I don't too. like this. Totally. But I do believe that nowadays we have so much more information. This podcast yeah. for one, like, yeah, we just have so much more information that women are readily available, like listening to their friends, their Instagram, like everything. It's so much more talked about than it was even yeah. 10 years ago. So, Absolutely. so yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah. But finally trending in the right direction. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Ooh, we still have work to do. Okay. So, okay. Right. So those are the three different times, types of midwives. Is there anything mm. else that you wanted to say about that? Um, I don't think so. I think okay. that's pretty much it about that. Um, I wanted to say that what those mid, what all midwives should have in common, mm-hmm. um, and and this you should find and run if this is not because if you're right. looking for a midwife, chances are you've done some research and you know what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, they should have in common the midwife the midwifery model of care. Um, so the main tenet is that birth is a normal physiologic process, and that should go without saying, and it does in our world. But as you know, in conventional settings, it's treated like a disaster about to happen. It's Mm -hmm. treated like an illness. Um, It's treated like it's only physical. It's just a physical event, biological event. Mm -hmm. So, um, so other things that are in the midwifery model is the individualization of care. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to get to know you and I'm going to be able to know um, what kinds of questions, you know, what things, what topics we need to discuss, what kind of counseling you may need, what kind of support. I don't just, midwives are not just interested in the physical. We recognize that a woman is more than, you know, her pregnancy and how she's doing emotionally and how Mm -hmm. she is, um, the air she's breathing, the water she's drinking, the, the laughter she's, you know, having Mm -hmm. all of that is what makes, you know, a pregnancy, what it is and determines the health of it. So, um, yeah, so we're there to, to monitor the well-being of just holistically mm-hmm. of someone. 
And, um, and then we're trained very thoroughly in what is normal because we are appropriate care providers for normal, healthy, low-risk moms and babies. And when something is out of the way, um, it is we know to consult or collaborate or transfer care, um, you know, in right. those cases for the best outcome. Right. And I think with that being said, understanding them, not only physically, their body, but emotionally and mentally, yeah. you're going to be able to find or understand if something does come up so much sooner, because exactly. sometimes it manifests it, itself just in an <laughs> emotional type of way rather than a, in a physical right. way. So, so true. typically, how long would you say an appointment, like a typical prenatal appointment would be with your client? That's a really great question. And that is a question that they should be asking anyone that they are interviewing because there's a huge variety. Yes. So that what we just talked about is what midwives should have in common mm -hmm. practice styles. Mm -hmm. There is a spectrum that is so broad. Um, there are midwives who, um, become best friends with their clients yeah. and they spend hours with them and they're yeah. incorporated into their community. You know, um, there are some who, um, kind of the birth keeping community mm -hmm. who it's so woman led that generally the women are catching their own babies. The, the birth attendant is stepping back instead of stepping in, you know, unless there's a real emergency. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the other end of the spectrum is, it can be very clinical. It can be short, efficient visits, maybe a higher client volume load um, mm -hmm. per month. So um, yeah, so I have heard of a home birth practice um, recently that has 15 minute appointments for their clients. And needless to say, I don't think that is supportive of the midwifery model of care. Mm -hmm. um, I think the average is is 30 to 60 minutes. Okay. So um, I'm working in a busy birth center right now and they allot 30 minutes, but I, I try to stagger appointments just so that, you know, if it runs over, there's time in my personal practice, it will, I will always allot an hour um, because that is when you get to know them, you get to know yeah. their children and their spouses, their partners, whatever. Yeah. Um, and you get a really good feel for <clears throat> their preferences and, you know, what they're going for in this birth. And that's what I see my role is, is facilitating their vision and their dream for their birth. Awesome. So, um, awesome. yeah. So should we talk about the different things for out of hospital is not just home birth. There's also yes. birth centers. Yes. Let's so, talk about all the different things. <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. So, so birth centers are very attractive to some people. Mm -hmm. One of the most common reasons that I hear is for the partner, the partner is hesitant and mm -hmm. it feels to them, and this is true for many of the women as well, it feels like it is one step out of the hospital, but not quite as radical as home birth. Right. So you're still going somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, you leave home for the birth. Sometimes, you know, your children will sleep better at home and you want to be able to leave them there or pets mm -hmm. or you know, you live with grandpa and you don't want him around when you're giving birth. So right. <laughs> one way or another, it, it is appealing to you to leave home, to go mm -hmm. have this event and then return. Um, we've had people who are in living situations that um, where they were living with people who were not supportive. And so we've delivered, um, Cindy and I, in a 
really seedy hotel room, (laughs) (laughs) which was not ideal. It was a great birth though. And she, you know, and she was happy. So it was perfect. It was just interesting. Hotel six when you go into labor, basically. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, some people do get Airbnbs. We've had that before Mm -hmm. too, where they come into town. Um, you know, if you were in a tiny studio and you had other kids there and you want a birth pool and there's just not space, things like that. Mm-hmm. And then the other advantage of a birth center is its proximity to a hospital. Right. Um, the advantages of being home is you're taking advantage of the normal physiologic process of birth. Mm-hmm. The hormones that need to flow take a woman out of her neocortex or her thinking brain and they get her into her intuitive feeling she kind of is dreamy in this dreamy state as she copes with labor. I know, I know you've seen it every, oh, yes. every time. Yes. Um, yeah. So getting into a car, even just stepping out, packing the bag or, or carrying the bag or thinking, do we have the baby's car seat or whatever mm-hmm. that by definition is an intervention because we have right. now interrupted her flow of hormones. Right. So that is a, probably the primary advantage about being home is that she's in her safe spot. If, if, she, if home is her safe place in her mind, I mean, obviously she wouldn't choose it if it wasn't, but if she's choosing a home birth, she's in her most comfortable, safest feeling spot with the people who she's chosen to be there. She doesn't have to leave. She doesn't have to think. She can fully surrender to the process. And then we are the visitors. And, I, and we like literally tiptoe in, keeping mm-hmm. the, the lights dark, Mm-hmm. Um, keeping our voices hushed and set up very quietly, very unobtrusively, and just try to leave it as undisturbed as possible. Um, the other thing that I like about home birth is recovery is in her own bed. It's in her own space. And so I didn't, I think before, and I did all home birth. So I trained in all of my training. It was all home birth. Oh, wow. um, I didn't see a birth center birth until August in California. And then mm-hmm. of course, now that's what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> And so it did sound kind of appealing. Like yeah. I would know I only have this one place to go. Every time somebody's having a yeah. baby, I just go to my birth center. Mm-hmm. But the thing that really hit me between the eyes was packing them up to go home. Mm-hmm. So my favorite part of a home birth actually is when everybody's good. The baby is nursing. The mom yeah. is cleaned up and she's had a meal and we're tucking them into bed. Their home looks, you know, pristine. Mm-hmm. Like we found it, you know, all of our stuff's getting packed up and you just know, here's this happy little family in bed. And so watching a couple mess with the car seat and get the baby buckled and get mom down the stairs or whatever it is, yeah. it really surprised me how, what a contrast that was. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then the last advantage of a home birth over a birth center is the microbiome, which is, you know, a brand kind of exploding field right now with all right. the new information. And that is just your natural bacterial flora. They're all over your body. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, it is important in the life of a baby to be colonized by his or her own parents and family and household. And so when you are at home, obviously that happens very naturally. The baby goes skin to skin with mom and that happens at the birth center too. Um, But not so much the hospital, you know, the hospital has big, terrible germs. We don't want colonizing our babies. So, um, so the only, the only thing I think that many people think the birth center is safer, safer than a home birth, but I think the only real justification, because we carry the same equipment. 
all the same equipment that you find at a birth center, Mm -hmm. even all the same equipment you find at the hospital for the first line of defense, you know, Mm -hmm. the postpartum hemorrhage drugs, oxygen, resuscitation gear for the baby, resuscitation gear for the mom, all of that are in both places. It's proximity to the hospital. So if you lived 70 miles from a good hospital, it would be a reasonable decision to come to the birth center. For sure. Yeah. (laughs) No, I agree with that. I mean, I'm a home birther myself and I totally agree with that. And attending births on a weekly basis, I can totally agree with everything that you're saying. Um, Yeah, that (sighs) pack up and leave the place is just so hard to watch a mom have to do that. But in a home birth, I feel like there's just this, this bubble of like, love and protection and spirit and just sometimes I don't even want to leave when I'm at a home birth (laughs) I just want to like crawl up in the bed next to them well like not like super close but you know like I just (laughs) there's just this feeling and it's just like you just can't get enough and you know it's like like the oxytocin Mm -hmm. the bonding hormone Mm -hmm. is palpable it's like it's in the atmosphere (laughs) it really is yes it's just beautiful but having said all of that where a mom should give birth is where she feels the safest. So wherever that is. And right. that's why I offer hospital support too. So if somebody wants the prenatal and the postpartum care schedule that um, that a midwife offers, so mm-hmm. one hour prenatal visits and getting to know you and, and um, talking through your fears and educating you about birth and all that kind of stuff. And then postpartum is important too, because mm-hmm. after you leave the hospital, usually you don't see anybody. The mom doesn't see anybody for six weeks. And we do, you know, several home visits Mm -hmm. in the postpartum period and then some office visits at the end. But, um, so uh, yeah, so I offer that too, where you would basically get the midwifery package, but we would just be, I'd be supporting you in the hospital instead of home. So I just want women to get what they are comfortable with. Right. So you're saying just to clarify for the listener, you're saying that you would provide all of that care, the midwifery type of role of care. And then when she goes into labor and then you both decide when it's time to head into the hospital, you would go as kind of like a doula. Right. Because obviously you can't yes. do anything medical yes. there. So that if, you know, when you're in the hospital, you know, you're going in and there will be decisions needing to be made and it can be nice having a doula or a, you know, a midwife with you mm-hmm. to kind of help you mm-hmm. navigate some of those decisions. Okay. Um, so they can't just, sh- not that they can't, but no provider in the hospital is going to love a woman showing up that they don't know. So how it would work is it would be people who have insurance probably that they are using to go see an OB provider. And then I don't even take insurance. So they would be paying cash to see me. And, okay. Yeah. That yeah. makes sense. No, that's, that would be amazing. Especially yeah. maybe like for a first timer that wasn't quite sure, but she still truly believes in midwives and wants that s- type of care. That's awesome. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. I think it's a really good option too. Yeah, yeah. And all that postpartum care. What is postpartum care? Just because we just talked about it, but just for the listeners to understand what does a midwife do postpartum? Because so many people don't understand that midwives mm-hmm. do so much. So yeah. tell us about postpartum. Like you, we obviously talked about prenatals and stuff, the whole birth, yeah. but how, how does that look? How does that care look for a mom? Okay. Well, so there's the immediate postpartum right after baby is born and we're still in the home. 
Um, so those first two hours are kind of what we call the transition time. We're making sure that mom is transitioning, that baby is transitioning to life outside the womb. So it's a lot of very quiet vital signs being taken. Mm -hmm. So um, we don't want to interrupt the skin to skin. We don't mm -hmm. cut the cord until sometimes a couple hours after the birth. The placenta is just hidden in a bowl next to mom and baby, and they are just kind of... Um, snuggled up enjoying each other. Mm -hmm. So in that time, it's making sure that um, baby is breathing well and has nursed and that kind of thing. And that mom's pulse is um, in the normal range that she doesn't have hidden bleeding. We do the little bit of the mean tummy rubs, just like they do in the hospital to make sure that there's not bleeding that we're not detecting. Um, but for the most part, it's as unobtrusive as possible. Mm -hmm. And then around two hours, we will flip on the overhead light and get the cord cut and do a head to toe newborn exam on the baby. So this is a full assessment, making sure all their reflexes are intact, all their anatomy is normal. They're doing all the right things. And then we will weigh them and measure them. If parents want them to have the newborn procedures like newborn eye ointment or vitamin K injection, we can do that at that time. Mm -hmm. And then um, and then generally we wrap everybody up. Part of that um, of mom's care also is assessing for tears if she tore when baby was born mm -hmm. and suturing her if needed. So we carry lidocaine, we carry suture, mm -hmm. and we can do a skin tear and a second degree muscle tear. Um, but we need to transfer out if she has a third or fourth degree tear, which mm -hmm. involved the rectum. So again, knowing what's normal, handling what's normal, these little deviations that we can take care of in the moment, um, knowing when to transfer. So then after we leave them um, happily snuggling in bed, we return in 24 to 48 hours and we do the newborn metabolic screen, mm -hmm. which is the, they used to call it the PKU or the heel prick test. And that is um, blotter paper that comes from the Utah Department of Health. And it's a heel prick, seven drops of blood. We send that in for testing um, and the newborn heart defect screening. And that's just a pulse oximeter, which is the light in the baby's right hand and in the foot to make sure that um, they are oxygenating well. Um, some midwives even can do the hearing screen, which is amazing. Um, I'm on the waiting list for a hearing screener, but they are awesome. thousands and thousands of dollars. So, mm -hmm. um, and it can, it can wait for when baby transfers to a pediatrician. Mm -hmm. So, so those are the tests we do at 24 to 48. And of course, just checking on mom and baby, yeah. checking on her mood and how she's feeling, all her vitals, that kind of thing. And then we come back again at a week unless we're needed sooner. Mm -hmm. You know, if she if she needs a trouble visit for breastfeeding or mm -hmm. help getting the baby latched or whatever, that's different. But okay. typically we'll come back at a week. Utah is the only state I've heard of that requires two of those newborn screen cards. So yeah, we would do, do the second one at one week. Mm -hmm. And then just staying in touch off and on. Um, Six weeks is the last visit, and that is talking about future family planning and mm -hmm. birth control, mm -hmm. whether everything is healed well, mm -hmm. you know, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. So it's a minimum of three and no maximum number of visits. Right. I know. I love that so much. Thank you for saying no maximum. Because when women are sent home from the hospital, when they don't have a doula, as a doula, I'm constantly checking on them, whether I'm going to their house or not. But 
through text. How's this doing? How are you doing here? How's the bleeding? How's the... And so I'm going to visit them. And a couple of times in my career, not very many, I've walked into a home situation and I'm like, we need to call the doctor right now. You know, this baby hasn't fed. This baby is so yellow. And if it wouldn't have been for me coming in there, how long would it have taken for this family to know, like, we're in danger here? You know, so... Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely correct. Midwives catch so much more with the more care. We've caught postpartum preeclampsia, which many people don't even know is a thing. We've caught that several times because we do more visits. Mm -hmm. Also, probably the most serious thing we had happen was because we were checking in so much. This mom said, well, I wasn't going to call, but I have this sore spot on my leg and it's warm and it's red. And that can be a sign of a deep vein clot. And so we sent her in and she had clots all over her lungs. So really, really emergent care needed. And she said, I never would have called if I were in an OB's care. I just would have sucked it up. And so, yeah, you're right. Staying in touch emotionally, the emotions, especially um, for first moms, if they're struggling with breastfeeding or Mm -hmm. whatever. I mean, my I get texts day and night and I just tell people, this is what I do. Like, don't hesitate. And they don't hesitate. (laughs) I know. (laughs) It's great. (laughs) But it is, there's a, there's this feeling of, um, I don't know, comfort to just to know that you're being taken care of, that you're not by yourself, that you're not just, okay, see you later. Like I remember after my first experience, after having my first baby, you know, I called my mom and I mean, I was just, I was in tears. My, my nipples were bleeding. My baby had just spit up a scab from, I had no idea that was even a thing. So the only person I knew to call was my mom. And she'd be like, she was like, oh yeah, I don't really remember that. You know, mm-hmm. and like, if I would have had a midwife or if I would have had a doula, she would have been my number one. She would have been at yeah. my door bringing me all of the supplies that were necessary yeah. for breast care or understanding a baby. Mm-hmm just there to just put her loving hand on my shoulder and say, you got this. You're okay. This is totally normal. You know, sometimes they just need to know it's normal to feel this way or look that way or whatever. But yeah, that's the one thing that I, after I had my fourth and when I started, you know, doing this, that was the one thing that pushed me into this education to help women understand like you don't have to do this by yourself. You can, you deserve all of the care and love available and let me show you who they are. If it's not me, you know, and we just deserve more. And that's what I love about midwives. Absolutely. America is so, um, just so bad at supporting women postpartum. And I try to tell, because rest is so important. It's important for your milk supply. It's important that your muscles and your organs and everything get back where they're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And there are so many cultures that do it way better, like at least 40 days and Mm -hmm. warm soups and Mm -hmm. the community gathering around. And, you know, and you know this as a doula, um, because you educate um, Mm -hmm. your people that you don't need people to come over and hold your baby. And that's all that people in want to do is hold your baby. No, please come make me food and clean my house and care for my other kids because you really belong just snuggling that baby. That is for the health of everybody. It's Mm -hmm. just study after study shows that the more time a baby can get on the mom and on the dad, 
the skin to skin and the the growth and the blood sugar stabilization. It just affects everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I agree. (laughs) That's amazing. Okay. I love that. So I wrote down some questions to ask if someone were looking for a midwife and I know you can add quite a bit to it. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. (laughs) This is just right off the top of my head, but because practice styles vary so much much, and, and, and I can tell you too, where I fall on it so that if anybody listening is looking for a midwife, Mm -hmm. they will, you know, can rule me in or out depending on my answers. But, um, so one is where do you practice meaning birth center or home? And Mm -hmm. what is your practice philosophy? Okay. Um, what is your training and experience? What tests and screenings are offered and which ones are optional? How do you see your role in my labor? How long are prenatal visits, which we talked about? Mm-hmm. About how many births do you attend in a month? What's included in the midwife fee? And what are your expectations of me as a pregnant client? Anything oh. you want to add to that? Oh, gosh, I don't uh, I don't think so. I think you really covered it all. Like those are definitely things that I would be asking, but I, I know a few things, but, but yeah, I get that. I get that question a lot. Well, what should I ask her? You know, I'm like, Oh, ask her these things, you know? Right. Right. Because you, you'll know your, I call it mama gut, um, your instincts, whatever you will know as soon as they answer any question, your body will know your spirit will know. Exactly. mm -hmm. And that's what's so cool is that you can listen to it and you can believe it. And, and a good midwife will also trust your intuition. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and it's the same thing as a parent, a new parent, like there's so much disempowering and causing people to second guess their bodies and their babies and all of that. But I loved Again, this goes back to Dr. Sears book in the nineties, the baby book, mm-hmm. listen to the mom because she knows she's been with this baby from the very beginning. So if right. she says something is off, then investigate, listen right. to her, you know? Yes. So yes, so absolutely. I believe that you should feel comfortable with your midwife. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. You want me to answer some of these? Yes, I do. <laughs> I was just going to say, oh, I hope she answers it. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to be doing home birth. Um, I guess it's possible at some point that um, if someone were very remote, we could figure out a location to have a baby closer to the hospital. But home birth is is my general practice. Mm-hmm. Practice philosophy is what you heard me talk about in the midwifery model of care, that birth is normal and natural, that, um, and this kind of will blend with my role in labor. It is to um, facilitate you do, getting the birth that you want You know, you've already told me in the hours and hours we've spent together, whether you like to be touched, whether you like to be verbally encouraged, whether you just want us to be a fly on the wall. Um, And so it is helping you achieve your goals and then being kind of a lifeguard. Like I'm not, I'm not in there. I'm not laboring, but I am vigilant and I'm watching you so that you don't have to, um, so that if there is anything that's getting off course, we can get it back in line as quickly as possible. I love, and I couldn't find it for today, totally should have. The founder of my school, Vicki Penwell, has this wonderful quote about birth going well needs nothing added to it. And when it takes a turn, it needs quick and swift action to keep it, you know, in mm-hmm. line. So mm-hmm. keep it safe. So yes. it's it's knowing that difference that is the, the art and skill of midwifery. Um, Training and experience we went over. Mm -hmm. Um, 
tests and screenings. I want people having a home birth to have access to all of the resources that they could if they were in an OB practice. So that is the labs that they might want, genetic screening for their babies. If they um, are a negative blood type, they'll have access to Rogam if they choose it, um, an anatomy ultrasound, um, gestational diabetes screening, group B strep screening. And then I talked about the newborn procedures, the eye ointment. The... So all of that is offered. And there are, so back to that spectrum, there are hands-off midwives who it's, you do your research, you make your decisions, and I'm here to support you if you want to decline everything. Mm -hmm. I am not quite there. I'm a little bit more in the middle. Mm -hmm. I'm not insisting on a whole lot, but because I'm part of the birth team, I think that it is, um, it's reasonable to have some basic information about the health of mom and baby. So the, the three things that I feel pretty strongly about is the initial labs, and that's blood type and count, mm -hmm. antibody screening, yeah. and a whole bunch of infectious diseases. Yeah. And I think that is um, nobody, I've never had anybody who thinks that's a bad idea. Mm -hmm. We want to know that for your baby's health, for one thing, that mm -hmm. you don't have some of these infectious things, but also birth is very up close and personal and people end up wet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so so you want to know I'm not bringing anything to you and mm -hmm. we want to know you're not transmitting anything to us. So exactly. that's just, you know, um, blood work in the, in the first trimester. Okay. And then a 20 week or, you know, somewhere around 20 week anatomy scan. Mm -hmm. And that's to make sure that baby is fully formed. We know where the placenta is um, because there are some babies who may do fine, but need the resources of the hospital at mm -hmm. birth. And mm -hmm. so it's just, and most people don't balk at that. I'm not a huge fan of ultrasounds. I don't recommend going for funsies right. and, you know, yeah, all of yeah. that kind of thing. But I think it's very reasonable to get one at 20 weeks and make sure everything is cleared for home birth. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing that I find very valuable is the gestational diabetes testing. So that can be drinking the nasty drink and getting your blood drawn an hour later, or you can monitor at home mm -hmm. your blood sugars, you know, as you eat your normal diet that you're on already. Right. Um, and that's it. Everything else, you know, is up to them. And I will just make sure that I've done my best to give good information about benefits, risks, and so much of it, as you know, as a parent, it's gray area and you don't know if you're making the right decision. Right. And I just, I really validate that for parents. Like, yes, that it's a terrible feeling. Mm -hmm. And so just put yourself in the different scenarios and think, well, where would I be more upset with myself? Right. right. If I did yeah. this intervention or not, but right. Um, yeah. Well, well and I, that's just you talking about all those that you recommend and suggest or would prefer them to do. So many people that come to see me, not on baby number one, on baby number two, three, four, whatever. And I talk to them about, okay, have you got your results from this? And they're like, yeah. And, and they say things like, oh, I didn't even realize what that was for. Um, I just thought no. that I had to do that because everyone does that. Like they didn't know that that, that blood test at the beginning was to see if they had, uh, mm -hmm. some, some disease or something like yeah. it's, it's so in a OB office, the communication, the explanation of everything is just so not there. They so don't true. talk about anything because they have such a load of patients. Can you imagine if they took a half an hour to an hour with every patient? They right. You would never be seen. 
So like, no, no. And the system is getting worse. They're, mm-hmm. They all work for the hospital and they mm-hmm. won't even make a decent living if they don't pop people in and out as quickly as possible. Oh, I know. But yeah, that's a super good point. I really do want people to understand thoroughly um, what the, what all the research says, you yeah. know, and what the recommendations are. And, yeah. and it really doesn't matter what I would do. I know it's really tempting to be like, what would you do? But like, mm-hmm. I really want you to, to have all the information that you need so that you can decide what you would do. Right. You know, for so, sure. Yeah. I get yeah, that question so a lot. And I always say, well, I wouldn't be dealing with that question because I would have a home birth or whatever, you know? Right. So I'm like, right. don't, you don't want to ask me that question. Just yeah. what, it, what does it feel like to you? You know? This is an opinion, but it needs to come from her because birth is coming. It doesn't matter who you surround. Well, it does matter who you surround yourself with in birth, but ultimately the people that you surround you yourself with, they're your supporter and that's it. Ultimately, you're the one that's going through this portal of birth and you're the one who has to trust yourself from the very beginning, from the day you find out that you're in labor, from the day you hire your provider, you are the one that's building this thing inside of you. That's going to bring you to the end, you know, and so important. And that I'll just skip ahead to the last question. The last question, which is what are your expectations of me as the pregnant client? And that you nailed it. The, the mother is the only direct care provider for her baby. Mm -hmm. She's the only one who does something (laughs) that impacts it. Mm -hmm. So how can I help you get the information you want that you need to make the decisions that are right for you and your baby? And so, and this is where all that time in the prenatals, like I said, I want at least an hour Mm -hmm. and some people are not talkers and they don't use that time. And they're like, I'm done. It's my eighth baby. Like, no, bada boom, bada bang, we're out. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, but for people who want to talk and go through it, it really is a lot of responsibility. So I'm not the right midwife for you. If you don't see yourself as being the most responsible for your health and your baby's health. Mm -hmm. So if you like, I mean, it's in my contract, smoking, drugs, alcohol, um, that, that I really expect them to be working on mental health and physical health and just having that outlook. And the majority, I have noticed that in Utah, there is the par, it's just a whole new level of excellence. Most (laughs) people are very, educated and informed and are already on whole foods diets and Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So that's been hugely rewarding, but yeah, that is, that is something that to be a good fit with me, um, you have to want to be empowered and you have to want to be autonomous and you are looking to me for information, um, recommendations, you know, experience, Mm -hmm. but but not to save you. Um, cause like you said, you're the one going through this. So right. yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, so good. And then one of the other ones is, I think this is, well, there are two more, how many births you attend in a month. I'm going to keep an extremely low volume because I get very attached to my people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I want time with them. I want to be available. I'm not super great at juggling a lot. And I really just want to focus. This is my children are grown. This is what I do now. And, um, so I am going to limit to two to three births a month. So, okay. um, so with how, um, Utah's population is growing so quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, 
it's it will be i think eventually as more people look for out of hospital midwives um that you really got are going to have to contact people early i think it's already like that yeah. i know that in virginia we were full you know yeah. as soon as people were getting positive pregnancy tests yeah. so yes yeah I, I don't always, want, yeah. I, I want to minimize the chances of being at one birth and having another mom go in. You know, I just, mm -hmm. I really, we've got that relationship by the end of a pregnancy and I right. want to be able to sew a whole lot into them. So yeah. I'm keeping a very low volume. Okay. That's, that's great to know. Yeah. I love that. I want to take only two to three clients a month. <laughs> yeah. right. You're too needed. I and might, I'm afraid I that might. might, you know, I'm going to have to establish boundaries because yeah. I love everyone I talk to and I want to help yeah. everybody. But I think yeah. just for the good of, of it all, I got to keep it well, low. I love that because it is so true. Birth workers, they, because of being on call at all times, it be, can be very hard for family life, for your own life, for your own self-care and I have found that the longer I do this, I, I truly like I always take July off because I just need to know that there's going to be an entire month where I don't have to be constantly looking at my phone. Yeah. Um, and I don't teach that month either. So like I always I definitely agree. We need that self-care time. We need to rejuvenate ourselves so that we can show up as our best self and right. to turn away someone is okay, you know, and that's, I'm telling myself that, <laughs> that right. it's okay to do, to do that because I have to right. for my own, yeah. you know, self. So, so exactly. I love that. Exactly. Nobody wants a frazzled midwife or a frazzled doula. And mm -hmm. I do, I want to be fully present with all my people. I'm very thorough in all of, you know, all of the things. Yeah. And the, the truth is we just need more midwives. So, yeah, you know, exactly. we're gonna, I'll be taking students as soon as I can and, you know, trying awesome. to, increase the volume of midwives yes okay the last thing is okay. what's included in the fee which i'm sure people are very curious about mm -hmm. what exactly goes into it so for i think this is true for most midwives but for me um it's a global fee one fee that covers all of your prenatal care the support during birth and your postpartum visits okay um i am also going to include the newborn screen cards which are stupidly expensive mm -hmm. Um, the medications that we might use. So Rogam, vitamin K, um, if someone were GBS positive and wanted antibiotics and labor, then I would cover that. Mm -hmm. So all of that's included. The things that are not included are labs. So if you have insurance it, that, you know, and your labs are going to IHC or LabCorp, mm -hmm. we just send a copy of your insurance information and the, you know, insurance should cover that. Mm -hmm. um, the ultrasound is not covered. And again, you can go to the hospital for that and see if your insurance will pay, but there is an ultrasound um, tech who travels around and is in St. George once a month. And mm -hmm. I think he's only $175. So that's not mm -hmm. bad. Um, and then anything else, you know, uh, we love chiropractic care for our people. And obviously that would be extra yeah. any transfer of care to the hospital. Obviously you're going to be responsible for that bill. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how that global feed works. Awesome. Yeah. Ugh. So the last point that I was going to say about choosing a midwife is temperament. You know, there are some midwives who aren't the greatest at reading the personality of the client and they might pull you over or, mm -hmm they might not be a talker themselves. And you're like, I felt like I had to squeeze information out of my midwife, yeah. you know? So 
and you already said you're going to kind of know you're going to feel in your gut whether it's a good fit or not Mm -hmm. so yeah that can't be emphasized enough awesome awesome so what is just the one thing that you just want our listeners to know so much about either yourself or about home birth or just anything like what's the last thing that you would just love for our listeners to to be able to know about you um well as far as home birth and birth experiences it would probably be don't underestimate the power that this event will have in your life so many people come to us with a second or third pregnancy with really um genuine trauma from how they've been treated in the hospital or how they have felt like their rights were stripped or they didn't even know their rights. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know that um, on the Birthing Instincts podcast, they talk a lot about the wedding, mm-hmm. the, just the analogy of a wedding. Mm-hmm. You put so much money into a wedding <sighs> and so much planning. And for most of us who have been married, you don't even remember the day because you're so flipped <laughs> out. And, and how would you feel if people came to your wedding who, yeah, you had, you had requested that they be there, but they kind of took over and they, you know, it wasn't about you anymore. It was mm-hmm. about them and their policies and procedures. Mm-hmm. And so I would say, treat it like that kind of an event. It's that big. Um, we have had very creative, we had a dad who was bartending in the evenings for you know, most of his wife's pregnancy and all of the bartending money went to the midwife. And then I think it was the uh, midwife I worked with in Southern California who said she had a family, they would get home from their day jobs, put their kids in the car and they would go do um, Instacart all together as a family. And they would just Venmo her. She'd be like, I'd get $37 and nine cents at a time, like every day. (laughs) Like that's being creative. Yeah. Just get creative, make it happen for yourself. Get the birth that you want. Yeah. And then, I mean, I think that ties into what I would want them to know about me. This is my passion. I love people. I love families. Um, I love to give, I love to teach. This is um, me and midwifery. Like, I really believe that we found each other, you Mm -hmm. know, from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. And so um, I want to bring that enthusiasm um, with um, including skill and, you know, clinical um, things to your birth that keep things safe, but also um, honor everything about it because it is so much more than physiology and biology it is spirit and soul and emotions and Mm -hmm. social and all the things so yeah yeah, i think that sums it up (laughs) i want to get pregnant (laughs) so you could be my midwife but i'm an old grandma we're gonna find someone together (laughs) they can do anything nowadays (laughs) this is true i don't i don't want to though i just want to have dogs okay (laughs) but you yeah, you're amazing. I'm so excited to add you to the Southern Utah Birth Village, the Southern Utah area. You know, we're just so excited to have you. We will be adding you to the website. So, um, but tell us first, where can we find you like today if we're looking for you? 
Deborah. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you. So <laughs> I am on Facebook. I'm not the biggest Instagrammer, but I will figure it out eventually. Okay. On Facebook, it's Arava Midwifery. Arava is A-R-A-V-A-H Midwifery. And my website is how they can actually um, fill out a consult request. And that is aravamidwifery.com. Okay. Awesome. Um, so yeah, we will be adding her to the um, Southern Utah Birth Village. Okay, it's just thebirthvillage.org. Um, that's where she will be as well. And you can find her on our Instagram. We'll be posting about her. We're so excited about that. And yeah, you guys, we're just so excited to have all of the support. We love you guys so much. Thanks for listening. Um, please continue to send us all of your questions. DM us. Send us voicemails. We just love hearing from you all. And with that being said, we just want to, to leave you guys with the one last message. And that is empowered women, empower women.